Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Great to be here with you guys. Um, great to welcome in new family members. Helm Camp, so good. So glad you guys are here. And um, man, um, if you if you are interested in kind of like, man, what are we? What are they talking about? Membership. I just want to invite you to be a part of our growth track process. Like growth track is just a three step course that we do. You get if if you're new to Jubilee, this is a great thing to be a part of. Like we kind of get into a lot of the meat of who we are and what we believe and what we're about. Um, it's a chance to sit down with leaders from across our locations, and we do it all online first Sunday of the month. So next Sunday, we're going to have a growth track class, and you can be a part of that. If you just check that box on the card, I'd love to, to have you if you haven't, haven't, haven't been a part of that yet. Um, well, hey, I'm going to continue us in our, we've been walking through the series on Galatians. We've been walking through the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to, uh, to the believers in Galatia, and uh, we're going to continue that today. Um, if you grew up in, uh, in my generation, or maybe a little bit older than me, um, you're probably familiar with the show Friends. Anyone familiar with the show Friends? Yeah, yeah. In the 830, no one would admit they'd ever seen that show. Like, no, it was dead silent. It was just like, nope. So I'm not advocating for the show, but there is this, there is this scene that always makes me laugh. Uh, is, uh, there's a scene where they're having Thanksgiving together. Rachel's responsible for making dessert, and uh, she's terrified that she's going to mess up, uh, which she inevitably does. Uh, she makes a trifle, but, but to her uh, dismay, uh, she makes half trifle and half a shepherd's pie. Like she had the cookbook pages stick together and she didn't know what she did. Her friends, out of concern for her feelings, gobbled it up or left different places in the apartment to eat it out of sight. Chandler said a bird took off with his on the, on the balcony. But there's a great scene where Joey's sitting at the table. Joey's the eater of the friends, he's, and he's just scarfing it down. And Ross looks at him and he says, how are you eating that? And Joey says, what's not to like? Custard, good. Jam, good. Meat, good. Joey's just devouring. Like Rachel has taken dessert and dinner, placed them together, two things that never belong together, and Joey's just diving in. And, uh, and, I, and, and it, it, it makes me smile, but I think about this passage that we have today, and, and, I, and I think Paul, he, he wants us to look at two things that most people, in fact, most religions, say don't go together. Don't go together. Can't coexist. And uh, in fact, most religions would say this, if not all, excluding Christianity. And um, Paul's going to have us take a hard look at the love of God and the law of God. We're in Galatians chapter 3 today, verses 15 through 29, if you have your Bible. But uh, over the last several weeks, we have, over the last month, we have been walking through this letter and we've been uh, really unpacking, hopefully helpful so for those of you who've been a part, the message, the gospel of grace. Like Paul, so much of this letter is the Apostle Paul is contending and clarifying and holding on to, for the sake of the believers in Galatia, the message of grace. And this is what the message of grace is, is that we do not get into heaven. We are not loved by God. We do not, uh, we don't become better Christians. That's not a thing. We are either in Christ or we're not. And we're not in there because of what we do. We are in there because we have received and believed Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he has 
paid for our sin by going to the cross in our place. That's the message of grace. It's all about him. It's a finished work on the cross, on the, on the cross, on the cross. It's a finished work. It's good news. We love grace. Yes. Amen. We love grace. We love God's love. Like we, lo we have received something that we do not deserve. And it's like Paul, he pauses for a moment to bring us some clarity because as he's hitting on God's love, he's going to bring us some clarity on the law. And we might think, oh, the law. Like, why do we, like, we don't need that anymore. Like, we got, we got grace. Like, law was, it was just the first course. Like, we just had to get through that. But now we can forget all about law. Like, right, like, we can do what we want. We got grace. Like, we, it just, it, you know, and sometimes we got we things we got to be careful of. Is we got to be careful not to treat God's grace as just a get out of jail free card. I get to do what I want. And even Paul says this in Romans. He says, hey, does grace increase so that sin may increase? No, no. And Paul's gonna take a moment to clarify some things because the problem with the church in Galatia is that they're misusing the law. They've started to sprinkle it into the, 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 the pathway or the approach, the way to get to God. The way we get to God is we, is we follow the law and believe in Jesus. But that's not, that's, that's not the gospel. Paul says, it's only Jesus plus nothing else. And I think Paul wants the, the Galatian church and us, those who are reading this letter, to understand the goodness, the goodness of grace. Wants us to say grace, good. Wants us to say law, good. But he wants it, but that we can only say that if we understand its purpose and its role in our life. In fact, let me ask you a question to think on. Is, is God a God of love first and law second? Or is he a God of law first and love second? Which one's in the back seat? Which is he more of? Most of us would lean toward the statement, no, he's God of love. That's who he is. He's more, he's more love. Law's somewhere back here. But I want to take a look at what Paul has to say about law. I want us to have a good grasp of the relationship here between law and love and who God is. Let's look at what the Bible says. Um, and he's going to ask two questions in this passage. And we're just going to take a look. He has two questions. We're going to start with his first question. He asks in verse 19, he says, why then the law? Why do we have the law? So if it's not for salvation, if it's not going to get us saved, why do we have the law? And this is a rhetorical question, as Paul likes to do. He likes to ask questions. I think that he's anticipating, right? That's, that's a, he's anticipating the Galatian church. They're, they have the law or they've been given, told they need to, you know, to follow the law. Well, if we're not, if it doesn't get us saved, what do we do with it? Why do we have it? And he continues on in verse 19. He says, it was added because of transgressions. He goes on until the offspring should come. We'll get to who the offspring is. But the, the reason why he says we have the law is it was added because of transgressions. The law was given. The Bible teaches us that the law is given because here's the reality that the Bible teaches. We can't do, cannot do what is good all the time. And oftentimes we don't know what is good. We think we know what is good, but sometimes we find out we were wrong. And this is what scripture tells us. If you are good, if you are good, like if you are truly good, like in your essence, in your nature, you are good, then you will do good all the time. 
But we don't think about it in those terms because we like to think in terms of percentages. I'm good most of the time. I'm better than Mike. As long as I'm better than Mike, I feel okay about myself. Now, we don't say that out loud, but we think it. We do. We feel better. This is the ugly truth. We feel better when others are doing worse than us. But the Bible doesn't talk about percentages. It talks in absolutes. It's like, you, you, are you good? Then you gotta be good all the time. If you are truly good. But we don't, we don't do good all the time. We do bad things. We say bad things. We think bad things that we do not act upon, but sometimes we act upon those bad things that we think about. We do things that are not good. These bad things, thoughts, words, actions, this, these are called transgressions. They're called sins. We all do it. And none of us want to be bad, right? Like no one, I don't think anyone in this room would jump up and be like, I want to be bad. That's what I want. No, we want to be good. We want to be good. But we can't do it. I know people, I've got friends in their 80s, 50s, 30s. I've got four children, 11 and under. I know myself. And you know what the thing we all have in common? None of us are good all the time. All of us mess up. All of us need to say sorry. All of us do bad things that we don't want to do. I mean, if you just, if you could do it, you just stop, right? Just stop, just stop sinning. Let's pray and see how you do. If you could stop sinning, you would. You know why you haven't? Because you can't. I mean, God, I kind of feel like God piled on with 10 commandments. He could have given us one. And this is, what, this is what I mean. I mean, if God would say, hey, don't sin, don't, sorry, don't lie. Just don't lie. Here's the, bar, here's the marker for being good. Don't lie. Raise it. Well, we're not gonna really raise our hands. But no one in this room, I would not believe that anyone in this room has not lied. Everyone's lied. I've lied. We've all done it. So is God just giving us the law to pile on? Like wear us out? No, I mean, actually, when you, uh, if you look at, if you, if you look at from a parenting, actually from a parenting perspective, if you look at, actually they've done lots of studies on this. If you look at households that have rules and households that don't have rules, households that have boundaries and consequences versus households that don't have boundaries and consequences. They've done lots of studies on this on children. And you know what they found? They find consistently that households with boundaries and limitations and consequences, children who grow up in that environment lead healthier lives. Children without those things have more anxiety, more insecurity, and have more, uh, a lack of sense of self. They, like don't, they don't know who they are when they lack authority. Because you know why? A child is not meant to have more authority than the parent. And when that, that paradigm breaks down, things break down in them. So actually, you could say that God gave us the law because he loved us. He showed us, hey, you want to know what's good? This is what good is. You want to know where the boundaries are? This is where the boundaries are. So God added to us the law because of our transgressions. 
And to the infinite God, we are like children. Like we think we know. Oh my goodness, you guys. I, we think we understand, don't we? We think we do. This is what, I mean, this is so true of me. There have been so many times I am convinced I am right. Feel that I'm right. Whatever it is. Could be serious, could be nothing. Someone tells me I'm wrong. I don't believe them. Even though, even though I have felt that before and found out I was wrong, right? Who hasn't had that experience? But for whatever reason, it's pride, I know the reason, the next time it happens, it still kicks in. Like I'm still convinced I'm right. There's just something in us. And the infinite God, the creator of all things, who's before all things and the end of all things, he, to, to the infinite God, we are like little kids running around, looking at him, saying, we know better. And he's like, you don't know better. Why does that happen? Well, it happens because we're sinful. It happens because we can't get it together. We can't figure it out. And it's not getting better. Amen? That's the bad news. We won't find the answer inside here. Where are we going to find the answer? We're going to find it outside. We need, an we need a truth outside of ourselves. This is why we need so desperately need God and his word. We need a truth outside of ourself that we're not judging and saying, okay, well, this fits in, this doesn't. No, no, no. We need to let the word of God actually evaluate us. We need to filter ourselves through that. Where do I not line up? We need a truth that's not coming from within. Paul asks a second question. He says, okay, if he said, is the law then contrary to the promises of God? I mean, doesn't the law oppose grace? Doesn't law and love contradict each other? How can you be gracious and just? How can you be forgiving and give people what they deserve? You have to be one or the other. At least that's what we feel. That's what we say. Thankfully, God answers this question. This is not a gray issue. This is a black and white issue. God answers in Exodus 34. We're going to look back to God. He's speaking to Moses, and this is what he says about himself. He says, the Lord passed before him, that's Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Praise God. Hallelujah. We love that. Yeah? We love that he forgives our sin. We love the God of love. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. What? Paul says in verse three, chapter three, verse 21, does law cancel out love? Paul says, certainly not. Certainly not. Is God a God of love? Yes. He's a God who is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. He's a God of promise. He's a God of love. He's a God of grace. But... By who will by no means, kind of in fact, by no means will he clear the guilty. Is God a God of law? Yes. He is the forgiving God who will not forgive. It's as easy as that. It doesn't make sense, does it? But that's what he says. It's right there. It's his own words to Moses. And here's what, 
I want you to see is that God is a God who is perfectly love and he is perfectly law. He is perfectly gracious and he is perfectly just. When they brought the woman caught in adultery before him and said, hey, the law says she should die. What did Jesus said? He looked at her and he said, I do not condemn you. Grace. But then what did he say next to her? He said, now go and sin no more. Law, both there embodied in Jesus. And the law is not the problem. The law is perfect and good and it serves a purpose. In fact, if we become more and more like Jesus, the more we will honor God's words and God's ways in our life. The more we cannot, we cannot increase in sin and increase imitating Jesus. Those things don't, those things don't line up. If we are loving and Jesus is the object of our faith and our affection, we will become more like him and we will increasingly honor his ways and walk in him. You'll do it without even trying. He says in Hebrews 10, 16, that this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. It's almost like he's even more intense about it. He's taking from them from stone and putting them on our hearts. He's not getting rid of them. He's not wanting us to see it as like this something that tags along. No, no, no. He's writing them on our hearts. God's not eradicating law. Jesus said that himself. I'm not here to abolish the law. Here's the, this is an important word. He came to fulfill the law. And we end up in legalism, which is when we're trying to work to gain God's favor and love, when we misunderstand and we misapply the purpose of the law. And we're gonna take a look at verse 24 because I think it's just such a good picture that Paul, Paul puts before us of how the law and Jesus and the love of God are working together. And he says, so then... The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying that we were held captive under the law and the law was a guardian watching over us. The law can't give us life. The law can't give us life, but he's holding us until the one who can gives us life comes. And this is where he's talking about the offspring. Who's the offspring? It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. The law's purpose, the law, what the law does, it's, this, is the, the, this is what I think about. And to me, this is a picture of the law ushering us toward Jesus because the reality is, is that as we look at the law, if we truly look at God's law and we say, okay, this is good, this is good, man, I am not good. Like the longer we look at God's law, the more we should be convinced that we are not good and we're never gonna get there. That's what we should be convinced of. The longer we look at God's law, we should, be come, to the, we should come to the conclusion that we desperately need a savior to save us out of our state because we're not getting there. And that's the picture I think Paul's putting before us. The law was our guardian until Christ came. Now that faith has come, we are no longer a guardian. The law ushers us to Christ. The law releases us and Christ receives us as we place our faith in 
Jesus. Is God a God of law? Yes. Is God a God of love? Yes. And how do we see those things worked out? We see them perfectly worked out in the person, in the God of Jesus Christ, the hero of our faith, the object of our affection. Jesus, fully God, became fully man who perfectly followed the law. He is the only one in all of history and all of time who did everything right. He never sinned. He never broke a law. Can you believe that? It's, um, no one can do that. No one can do that. Jesus is the only one who deserves to have a seat at the table in heaven. He's the only one. And even though, even though he deserved to be exalted to the highest place, even though he deserved all honor and all glory, even though he was a good man, he went to the cross out of love for you and out of love for me and out of love for his father. And the God of law, who will hold all sin accountable and will not clear the guilty, poured out his wrath and judgment onto his very own son so that you might live and so that I might live. God himself became our substitute. He chose to suffer in our place for every sin and that we have and that we will commit. See, on the cross, the love of God and the law of God were both put on display and both satisfied. And that's a wonderful thing. The love of God in the law. Why did Jesus go to the cross? He went because he loved you. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. It's because he saw your face standing next to him in heaven. He looked at you. It was love for you that drove him to the cross. In the wrath of God, because he is a just God. Jesus said, I will be the substitution. And the father poured his wrath out. You and I, do you know what we deserve? We deserve to be nailed to a tree and to go to hell because no one is good. That's what we deserve. But because of Jesus, because he satisfied the law in love, we are no longer separated, separated from God. No, because of faith in Jesus, through our faith in Jesus, we have a relationship with our God in heaven. He, the Romans 12 says that Christ is both just and the justifier. The cross exemplifies how serious God takes our sin and puts his justice on display through the cross. He's just because he has held our sin accountable. So when we fall today or next week in sin, we remind ourselves Christ paid the penalty and we receive his forgiveness again and have gratitude in our hearts that we're his. And he's the justifier because for everyone who believes in Jesus, they're set free from sin and they're transferred out from under the guardianship of the law and placed in Christ in order that we may receive the promises of God through faith. This is the reality. If you have faith in Jesus, if he is your Lord, if you have put your faith in him, you have been transferred out from under law and you have been placed in his family. You have been forgiven. You have been set free. In fact, the Bible uses the language that God has put in you a new heart and he has sealed you with the promised Holy Spirit. 
And so that the, what the law fails to do, which is to give us the strength to walk it out, the ability to walk it out, the power to be transformed, to be more like Jesus, that's what Jesus does through his Holy Spirit at work in us. It's his work in us. It's his work. It's his work in us, Scripture says, to, uh, it's his work uh, in us to will and to work toward his, toward his good pleasure. That's what it says. It's his work in us by the Holy Spirit. So guess what? You don't have to strive anymore if you're in Christ. You don't have to work anymore. You can see that law and you can feel condemned. That's what the enemy and that's what the world would want. They want to heap on and show you how, how insufficient and how unable you are. Because it's true, you are. But the truth is there's no condemnation. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. So we look at the law, we see all of our failures on display and we say, praise God that I am covered and hidden in Christ that I'm a new creation, that I'm forgiven, that he has forgiven me. He knew the sins I'm going to commit in five years and he paid the penalty on the cross. That's what he's done for us. And that's the beauty of it. God has freedom for you. He has freedom for you to walk in and it starts with understanding who we are in Christ. Or if you're not in Christ, it starts with receiving the invitation he's extended to all of us is to believe and put our faith in him and to walk with him. Nothing you got to go and clean up. Nothing you got to go do. The beauty of the gospel is that we acknowledge, we look at the law and we say, I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to get there. And you know what? I'm not enough. I'm going to turn away from myself. I'm going to look to Jesus. I'm going to put my hope in Jesus. I'm going to walk with him. And we receive the adoption into his family. And this is where Paul lands us in chapter three, verse 26. He says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, here's this language, have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, nor neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according not to works, but to promise. If you believe, then you are in God's family. If you believe, you have an inheritance in heaven. If you believe, you are in God's family. And what Paul's not, what he's not saying here is that God doesn't appreciate diversity. God loves diversity. He loves different cultures, different expressions. In fact, he says in other places of scripture, like it's the, the, the beauty of the church is people who are different coming together to worship him. What he's saying is, is that we all have equal acceptance, love, forgiveness, grace received. My forgiveness is not greater than yours and yours is not greater than mine. God's love for me is not greater, is not greater than yours. He loves us equally. We are adored equally. We are brought into his family equally. We are heirs according to promise. If you are in Christ, if you have believed, then you have a place that you belong and you are known. And I just want to invite you. I know at the end of this service, if, if you're hearing this and you're thinking, you know, I'm still trying to do good. I'm still trying to get to God through the law. And there's, a, there's people that will be up here and they'll want to pray with you and love to talk with you and walk with you. Uh, as you would love to just invite you to just give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus today. Let today be the day that your life starts brand new, that you're given a new heart and filled with his Holy Spirit. That's what God wants to do. And if you are a believer, this is the God's invitation to us. He wants us 
to make sure he wants to guard us from putting on our old clothes and walking in our old way. We are no longer under the guardianship of the law. We are walking in God's God's family, loved, mercy, new today. You woke up today, your eyes opened, you were breathing already. Guess what? Before you did anything, if your faith is in Jesus, you're loved, adored, and in God's family. What'd you do for that? Nothing, nothing. He did it, he did it. But every minute of every moment of every waking day, you are loved by God and in his family. Now, is there stuff in our life that he wants to deal with? Yes. Are we perfect? No, not by a long shot. But in God, out of his love for us, will reveal to us the sin and issues that we have in our life. And this is why it's really helpful to have the understanding and perspective that Paul has of the law and of us being his family. Because God reveals the mess in our life, not to condemn us, but because he has greater freedom for us to walk in. He has increasing freedom for you to walk in today, next week, next month, even when we're 99, still gonna have issues. Praise God though, his mercy's new every day and he's got, and he'll, have, and he'll still have freedom for us to walk in. And that's such good news for us. And so I just wanna invite you to, to, to return, to return. You know, like I said, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, God wants you to come home. He's your home. He's your safe place. He's where you can have new life. If you're a believer walking with God and you're feeling worn out and tired, and you know what? Maybe perhaps you're starting to approach God again under the, the basis of law and not under the basis of grace, not who you are in him. And we want to walk in that. When the church walks in the beauty of grace and his mercy, when we put that on display, when that spills out onto other people, it's such a beautiful and inviting thing because God is a beautiful and inviting God. And we want people to want more and more to experience him. So let's, church, let's stand and pray. And I'm going to invite the band. They're going to come and lead us in some worship. But I just want to pray for us as I was preparing this sermon uh, this week, I, I couldn't get away from um, just the feeling that someone, that there might be some who just feel stuck today, like just feel stuck. And um, I, uh, there is always a temptation, like when we get stuck, to just think, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna try harder. I'm gonna figure this out. And I, and I think the invitation for you, if you're feeling there, if you just feel, I just feel stuck, like I'm in this place and I can't get out. I don't know what that is, but if you have that feeling, I just really believe that God wants to invite you to receive, to receive. Receive his love, receive his adoration, receive his grace. Accept the reality that you don't have the answers and you're not figuring it out. That's okay. You know what? He loves to help us figure it out. And oftentimes his ways are much better than ours, if not 100% of the time. He loves it. Because you know what? His greatest concern is not that you do right. His greatest concern is to be you to be with him and him to be with you. If he wanted, he is so gentle with how he shows us our issues. Like God knows of things in your life and my life that he's not dealing with quite yet. You know that? You know that we're, you're not perfect and you don't know. There are some things about, I know that I have issues in my life that I'm not even aware of right now. My kids will bring it out in me tomorrow. Maybe, and it won't be their fault. 
It's in me. We tend to blame other people, don't we? Like, oh gosh, you just make me this way. No, we got junk inside. We bump up against each other and it comes out. It's us, it's who we are. We need Jesus. And he's just so gracious to walk us out of that and to lead us into freedom. So Lord, I just pray right now, God, would we, Lord, we wanna receive your love and your freedom. We wanna know and live in the truth, God, that you are so good and we're in your family. Lord, I pray for anyone who feels far away from you, feels distant and feels stuck, who doesn't know you as Lord. God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you open their heart and their minds to see and, and believe, Lord, that you love them. You died for them. You went to the cross for them. You rose to new life for them. You are the author and perfecter of our faith, God. Not us, it's you. And so we look to you, Jesus. I just pray for increased freedom, Lord. I pray for those who feel weary today, that they would be refreshed in your grace, knowing, oh, nothing I have to do. I've got a, there is a seat at the table in heaven waiting for me. And that's such good news, Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord, for being so good to us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that helps us walk us this out, that transforms us. God, I just pray, fill us with your Holy Spirit again today, Lord. We just recognize our need for you, our need for you. In your name we pray. Let's worship.